Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, a show about the world of cinema and a celebration of our love of movies. If you're a fan of the show, if you like the show, you can really help us out a lot by, after you listen, just take a minute or two just to tell a friend, tell a fellow movie lover, get in on the conversation, rate and review on your favorite podcast app. It really goes a long way to ensuring that we can keep producing these episodes and talking with you guys. And a big, big thank you to anybody who has done that so far. We want more people joining our community, getting in the mix. Having said that, today we are discussing the long-awaited, for better and worse, Morbius. Morbius, Morbius. Ladies and gentlemen listening... Morbius fever has gripped the nation. <laughs> yes, it has. We've been through several delays, several months. Then I walked through the rain to see this. I was soaked and cold in the theater, which is not a big hardship, but it, it, it didn't help my opinion of this movie. I was also soaked and cold in the theater, but that was after watching it. <laughs> That's funny. First, we have an extended weekly watch list. Remember, uh, we put timestamps in the episode description if you want to jump back and forth to any given segment. But Matt, what have you been watching this week? I have watched a couple of things. First thing I watched was um, we drove, Tyler and I drove an hour and a half into the city to go catch an early screening of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the new movie from Daniels. That is two Daniels. That credit themselves as Daniels. Daniel Kwan and Daniel, I think his name, Shiner, I want to say. If I butchered it, I apologize, Daniel. Um, starring Michelle Yeoh, Kehu Kwan, I'm butchering them as well, I apologize. Jamie Lee Curtis, Stephanie Hsu, also butchered, I apologize. I'm terrible at pronouncing people's names. Um, this movie was a freaking blast. Fantastic from beginning to end. It's funny, emotional, action-packed, and thought-provoking all at the same time. It's literally, as the name implies, everything, everywhere, all at once. Every actor shined in their roles, especially Michelle Yeoh and Kei Hawaii Kwan, who people may recognize as Short Round from Indiana Jones and Data from The Goonies. He was also fantastic. Uh, the direction, the fight choreography, the writing, they were all sharp and just highly entertaining. I know we're probably going to be covering it on this show coming soon once it opens more widely, and I am incredibly excited to talk more about it. Nice. Excellent. I also watched The Phantom Menace again. Uh, which version of it? The, like, early 2010s Blu-ray remaster. Oh, okay. Because I got, like, a box set with, like, the first episodes one through six in it how did you react this time it's funny depending on what mood i'm in when i watch it jar jar is either not as bad as everyone says or just as bad if not worse than everyone says (laughs) and this was a just as bad if not worse day i thought jar jar was just grating is too is too much it's too much which you know what though one thing i will say though this is, like, the worst example of Jar Jar if you watch The Phantom Menace. If you go back and watch, like, The Clone Wars, he's much more palatable. And he's actually, like, a pretty decent character, all things considered. Misa not gonna stand for this Jar Jar Binks slander. <laughs> How did you react the first time you saw Phantom Menace? I was I was a kid still at that point, so I wasn't really bothered by it. Yeah, that's true. It's it's funny because, you know, we're we were all kids when the prequel trilogy came out and I feel like I don't know, I don't want to speak for you guys. I feel like it made them more palatable as opposed to older fans who had just had the original trilogy and then had to watch Jar Jar and everything that came with that. <laughs> I mean, one thing to be to, you know, consider is the fact that it it's supposed to kind of be a kids movie at the yeah. end of the day, Star Wars. You know, or maybe not a, necessarily a kids movie, but a accessible to general audiences type movie. So I think to read too much into a silly character like that is kind of 
unnecessary. Yeah, fair enough. Fun fact, Phantom Menace is the first movie I remember seeing in theaters and huh? vaguely remember, but I fell asleep during it. I know that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're long and for a little kid. It makes sense. As, yes, I was a very little child. <laughs> Tyler, you watch anything cool? So I I also took an hour and a half trip into the city, which makes it sound like we live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like we're just out in a field. <laughs> I mean I mean we kinda do. Western Mass is like the boonies, basically. <laughs> it's still city. It was still in an urban area. <laughs> we were rode into the city. <laughs> <laughs> took our horse and buggy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, I hope we do an episode on this so i'm not going to spoil too much but this was so far my favorite movie of the year i adored every part of this movie this is one of the most genuinely funny movies i've ever seen and yet it still had genuine emotion to go along with it and great action sequences i just everything about this movie was phenomenal and i i would definitely going to see it again as soon as it's available widely oh nice i haven't seen it yet so i'm very excited to do so um there's a lot of discussion around this movie which i I think it's fantastic. It's awesome that a movie like this gets so much attention. Uh, I saw a few different things this week. I watched this new movie, Master, which I believe was at Sundance. It's now on Amazon Prime. Here's the description from Google, because this, this movie is kind of like hard to condense into one sentence. Google says it's about three women who strive to find their place at a prestigious New England university that may disguise something sinister, which is accurate leaves a little bit out uh regina hall plays the first african-american master of this again, old prestigious predominantly white university zoe renee who uh, this is the first time i believe i'm seeing her she was she was excellent she's a freshman she's one of the only black students and she gets a room where there's like a myth that there's a witch who like shows up at a certain night of the year at, at 3 33 a.m and like takes whoever's rooming there to hell or whatever uh, the mythology was a little a little convoluted but maybe i'm just a stupid viewer and amber gray is a, a controversial professor searching for tenure this is a new director spotlight written and directed by mariama diallo and as always with new director spotlight uh, I, I really like this i enjoyed this I, i'm excited to see what what mariama diallo is, is going to do next the watching experience was very good it's it's kind of marketed as a horror movie. I wouldn't say it's so much of a horror movie as a drama that uses horror elements to drive the rest of the conflict, if you know what I'm saying. Like, the horror is more has more of an atmospheric function. Uh, all the performances are very good. There are a few creepy camera tricks that are really cool, but not used to its full potential. Um, it gets a little muddled with its ideas and mixing of real life and, and supernatural horror. And the last 20 minutes were fascinating, but they seem like completely detached from the rest of the movie. I haven't really like decided if that part works not or yet. I liked watching it, but I don't know if it works with the story. Overall, I enjoyed this a lot. I recommend checking it out, even just to see what you make of it. I also watched Kimmy. This is definitely not a new director spotlight. Have you guys heard of or seen Kimmy? That's the one with Zoe Kravitz and um, the guy, from, the problematic guy from Home Alone, right? Devin Rattray? Yes, Devin Rattray, yes. I've heard of it. I have not seen it. Yeah, so uh, this is the new Steven Soderbergh. Zoe Kravitz plays a woman who works perfecting a voice assistance device similar to Alexa or Siri. When she hears something alarming on a recording, she has to overcome her agoraphobia and bureaucratic oppressions, assassins, to solve the crime. This is on HBO Max. Uh, this is written by David Kep, who is one of the most lucrative screenwriters of all time. I thought this was excellent. Like, I was surprised by how much I liked it. It's supremely well edited. This thing doesn't stop at all. It doesn't drag. It's thrilling. It like immerses you in the world without having to explain everything. Zoe Kravitz is awesome. There are some cool small roles. Rita Wilson, Devin Rattray, some others. Also some great moments of music from Cliff Martinez. There's one, uh, this one drop of a beat during this chase sequence that I like. You know, music doesn't always catch my attention in a movie. 
but it did here and i wanted to know how they did it how they created that and all that stuff uh soderbergh has had a great track record with these hbo max releases he had no sudden move last year which i thought was good i know you guys liked it too i thought it was um usually this is used like derogatively and i don't mean it at all this way but it was like forgettable for me in the fact that i watched it for two hours and enjoyed it for two hours and then i like never thought about it again i literally only think about it when someone else brings it up yeah which it's not a dig on the movie at all it's just like an enjoyable you know cinematic ride and then i'm off uh but let them all talk the year before that that was a movie that i absolutely loved um can't really explain why but i love that so definitely recommend Kimmy. And then this, I saved the, my least enjoyed for last. I saw The Lost City, guys. Oh, <laughs> let's go. Let's hear it. Oh, no. This is about a romance novelist and her cover model who must escape from a greedy mogul who is searching for an ancient treasure. This is directed by the Knee brothers, Adam and Aaron. And it was written by them, Oren Uziel, Dana Fox, with story by Seth Gordon. You guys have seen the trailer, right? Yeah, unfortunately. So this movie is exactly what you think it is. It's pretty dull comedy, at least for me. There are a few chuckles, but the jokes aren't great. There are about 9,000 like just kind of off-the-cuff banter sessions between Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, which the two of them are really doing their best. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is also doing the most with the least here. You know, they're doing all right, but the material is not there at all. There's a nice statement about not being ashamed or shaming other people for the kinds of media that they enjoy, which I appreciated. But this movie just isn't very good. I just don't even... It's it's kind of fun. It's not that great. I do think a lot of people would enjoy this too as sort of like an adventure comedy movie so don't entirely take my word for it i think there's an audience for this and there is because it made a decent chunk of money at the box office it's a decent ride but i also might recommend just watching romancing the stone Um, what about brad pitt you didn't mention brad pitt i didn't mention him for a specific reason it's a bit of a waste of brad pitt to be honest, if he liked making this movie, I think it's great. I think it's a bit of a waste of him. And they also wasted the song Shadows of the Night by Pat Benatar, which is one of my favorite songs. So I was angry about that. So that was a point taken away from it. All right, you guys, you guys ready to get to, to the main movie here? Oh, Almost. Man. I just I just want to point out, I just want one time. I'm, I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping one time when you watch a new director spotlight movie, that you just say, like, I just don't want to see any more from them. <laughs> like, they need to stop right now. Like, this, they're not cut out for this. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think if I've ever watched. That might be a, a good little game that we play one time. Like, who's a beloved director of yours that if you had watched their first movie, you would have just been like, nah, man, nah. So uh, that's something to think about for another time. But good point. Morbius, it's time. This is about, if you're, if you're not aware, this is about a doctor searching for a cure for a rare disease who inadvertently becomes a vampire and struggles to avoid feasting on the blood of the living. Is, does that sound like an accurate description to you guys? It sounds like a new Marvel legend arriving. <laughs> yeah, Marvel legend. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Daniel Espinoza, written by Matt Samaza and Burke Sharpless, based on the character created by Roy Thomas and designed by Gil Kane. Matt, what did you think of Morbius and would you recommend it? I tell you what, I, the first thing I said coming out of this is I didn't hate it. And, I mean, that's... <laughs> I liked it better than some of Sony's other recent outings in this SSMCU is as I dubbed it earlier <laughs> Sony Spider-Man cinematic universe whatever whatever they're trying to do here yeah honestly I thought the movie was largely serviceable I thought it was kind of harmless honestly it wasn't great I mean it was a step up from Venom 
Let There Be Carnage. But that definitely wasn't a high bar to cross. Certainly not. Ultimately, I would say I'm very middling on it. Like, middle of the road to kind of... I, I, I want to say no, but I think it's worth at least checking out and making your own opinion. I don't know if I can even get there. I also didn't hate <laughs> this, but I don't know if I would, like, tell anybody to go spend two hours watching this. I mean, I think... Well, a thing I said, too, is... Uh, which I'm not the first person to say this because I've been reading this online as well. If this movie had come out at a different time, like, say, the, like the mid to late 2000s, when... You could have a superhero movie, a self-contained superhero movie that didn't have to tie into anything, which I guess minor spoiler there, but um, if this could have been just like a self-contained thing, it probably it probably would have landed a little bit better with me, because hmm. it was kind of a return to a simpler time for me, a simpler time of superhero movies. Yeah, that makes sense. Tyler, what'd you think? So I'm going to preface this by saying that it was better than I was expecting, but that in no way means it was good. Um, I I stayed awake for it, so I mean, that's better than I was expecting. Um, I just thought this was a very unforgettable movie, Uh, uh, just the most generic superhero movie you could have put on the screen. Um, It felt at the same time too long and not long enough. Like, I didn't, none of the relationships worked for me, like between the characters. I didn't think any of them had any chemistry with each other. I, I just didn't care about any of the characters. There was no no stakes or meaning behind anything that went on in this movie for me that like I just like I literally had to read the synopsis right before we started to remember stuff. I watched this this morning <laughs> and I already just like forgot half of what happened in this movie. So I, I don't really recommend it to many people. Uh, you can skip it easily. <laughs> Even if you're excited for the Sony Cinematic Spider-Man universe or whatever it's going to be, you can skip this. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> you guys really summed it up. I I couldn't agree more. And Matt, my first note is, I didn't hate this. In fact, I will say, I was quite engaged by the beginning. But then it pretty quickly and then gradually falls apart until it's a total mess uh it the story has a fascinating foundation which could have explored some cool ideas but tyler like you said even though it's long it's so rushed and poorly edited that there's never any momentum at all everything Mm -hmm. felt rushed yes (laughs) nothing felt like it was should have like felt like i don't even know how to describe it if you watch it you'll know what we mean it's yeah. honestly so telling about the quality of Sony's recent output that we're actually, that you can take, oh, I didn't hate it, as an actual achievement on their part. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's this, mind-blowing. This movie is like, it's like a mediocre superhero version of if you mixed The Fly with True Blood. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> I hesitate to recommend this to anyone. I think some comic book fans would enjoy it, but if you're looking for a good time at the movies, pick something else. Would you pick The Lost City over this? Oh, hmm, good question. No, I enjoyed this more. Although I do think for certain people, if you're just kind of like looking to shut your brain off for a little bit and enjoy an adventure, The Lost City might be preferable to you. Didn't I like this a little bit more though? And I just want I was shocked at the number of cops that are slaughtered in this movie. They just kept sending in more cops every single time. <laughs> they just like kept set go, 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 go. And then they would always get killed, and then they would just send in more cops. Am, am I the only one noticing this? I mean, it makes as much sense as sending all the Gotham PD into the tunnel during Dark Knight Rises. But it just seemed like they did it 12 times. And that was one of the issues with this movie, is that there's no stakes. Because anytime anything goes wrong, Morbius just goes into vampire mode and he takes care of it. And there's never any, any thought of like, oh, maybe he'll actually get beat this time. Never. You know, I... Jared Leto and Matt Smith, 
I think are okay. Do you guys agree with that? They're good. Yeah, they're they're, they're fine. I mean, Jared Leto wasn't all, wasn't all weird. No. In a in a role, which is an, an achievement for him. <laughs> yeah, they're doing what the movie is asking of them. So I'll give him props on that. Uh, Matt Smith is doing something that he was asked to do that he never should have been asked to do. Adria Arjona as Martine, I thought she was very good, but you know what really annoyed me about this is you have her, she's a doctor, she's a researcher who's working on this, uh, you know, this rare blood disease. There's plenty of room for like intrigue and discovery in there, and they just made her the love interest and the girlfriend and the damsel in distress, and that really annoyed the crap out of me. Well, I was just thinking, like, in this, you know, like, how they portrayed the, the trailers and stuff, which, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, oh, can he control himself to be, you know, later? And then, like, the, the interesting part they set up from that, they dash almost immediately with a scene I'll talk about later. So, like, this this movie has anything that it had going for it. It just squanders. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh did not at all like the transition from the beginning to the sort of middle where you just get like a huge exposition dump instead of like Morbius learning about himself through like living as what he is now you just get like some voiceover montage and it's it, now it nothing worked here this should have been stopped at the script level another thing was the violence in this movie I, I am in no way like a gore hound. I don't even particularly like gore in movies. But this clearly, it, it just seemed like it was, they filmed a rated R movie. And then they just edit out all the rated R stuff. So that this was almost like the, the uncharted throat slice. Where it's, it's <laughs> oh, very yeah. watered down. Um, I don't know, it's... Again, it's not like I wanted it to be gory or anything, but the way it was edited and shot just it it took me out of it because there was like mass violence happening on the screen, but it, it almost felt like like the TV edited version. Oh, yeah. least, you know what I mean? I agree. Like a dude literally gets a piece of tile thrown into his eye, and I don't even think he there's blood. <laughs> it just sounds so weird. Which is odd because, like, in, you know, in the beginning, there's, like, blood splatter on the camera. And then they just, like, forget. They're like, no, I, our blood budget is done. We can't have any more. <laughs> it's all the that. fake blood we had. Yeah. Like, even when they, like, he kills people and they show him, like, in a pile of blood, the blood is, like, gray. <laughs> like, oh, for no I reason really that, but... on the boat when when there's like the dead bodies on the boat they're like in a gray puddle like it's not... <laughs> interesting hmm. we yeah, didn't even talk about no the cops way. yet or the cop the cop actors yeah we have al magical and tyrese gibson <laughs> just the <laughs> or... most useless cops of any movie ever exactly like, you could take them out and nothing changes i feel bad for tyrese though why is he signed a three picture deal? <laughs> well, that and that he actually got got by that by that uh, Scorsese April Fools meme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> calling oh. calling this the height of cinema. <laughs> I it happens. It, it's it's happened to everybody. I, I you know I I feel for him on that. I mean I mean granted if you had told me a week ago that Will Smith was gonna go up and. Uh, slap Chris Rock I wouldn't have believed it but now I believe anything <laughs> so That's I don't blame true. him yeah I, I thought they were I, they were both enjoyable they're both enjoyable performers I, um, Al Madrigal is somebody I've seen a, in a lot of stuff lately and I'm always happy when he pops up um, but yeah I don't I don't know if any of did any of their discoveries like lead the plot forward at all I don't think they accomplished anything. They didn't mm -mm. save anyone, and they didn't catch anyone by the end. Like, they did nothing. All nothing they, happened. All they did was falsely accuse did. Michael Morbius of killing someone that he didn't kill. Because they... Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. And by the end, they still thought it was Morbius. <laughs> well, this is another 
another issue is that there are ideas inherent in this story that could have been explored if there had just been like a little more scripting, but there weren't, right? There are certain uh, questions about, you know, having to feed off of other people and having to take from other people and having to worsen the lives of other people so that your own life is exalted, right? It's a very real thing we see in the world and vampires are often a an avenue through which to explore that. You know, there are ideas about what the cost of a longer life is, length of life versus quality of life and all, obviously the healer destroyer thing that they really touted in the trailers that they never, they just never really get into any of these things. No, that line. A... Uh, I just wanted to say that line where he's like, are you going to heal the world? Or are you here to destroy it? First of all, it doesn't get said. And also that does not remotely describe the plot of this movie. No, that, that does not even, that's not even a thing that like is like, um, it's not explored at all. Like tease to happen. Yeah. Like they don't even re remotely bring that up. <laughs> Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, this is in the, Matt, as you mentioned, in the Sony Spider-Man universe. I'm curious if they're if they're going to pull a Venom move and just, like, kind of escort him out through, through the back exit, or if we're going to be seeing more Morbius. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I just want to say, I remember, I, I actually read this recently. I guess the director, Daniel Espinosa, had no idea that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man poster was going to be in the trailer. Oh, <laughs> and it's funny because like this had nothing to do at all with Tobey Maguire or either either Spider Man really up until yeah you you're right point, this is but... <laughs> this it's is like, like absolutely self contained. It's self contained to the point where the post credit scene felt so stupidly tacked on yeah that they didn't even fit. <laughs> well, that's why they delayed it another three months, isn't it? Oh, I I didn't. I, know read, I think I had read that. All right, you guys ready to get into spoilers? You ready to get down to bone with Morbius? <laughs> I'm down to bone with Morbius. <laughs> down to the bone. I don't know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a spoiler conversation of Morbius after a quick word from our awesome podcast friends. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag, Hashtag because, because comics. And we're back with our spoiler conversation for Morbius. Uh, we're going to get into the meat of this thing. This is another movie where there's a beginning where they have to start somewhere intense with the bats and then they have to go back. So I don't I don't know why we have to like be teased in every like I already bought the ticket. I'm here. <laughs> I don't need to be teased with something crazy. I mean the bat scene it was cool. I liked it. But I, you could have started like with the childhood stuff and I would have been just fine. That was a that was a more interesting beginning, I thought. You know, you have these two kids uh, who meet and they decide to like make it their lifelong mission to cure the diseases that they have. I thought that was cool. I I thought the opposite. I, I thought no? the opening, the scenes were, were so pointless. Like, it's literally just to be like, oh, my name's Lucian. Well, you're Milo now. We're going to call you Milo. We're not going to explain why you're Milo now. You just are. Well, no, I think and it was... He's new Milo, because the last Milo died. Yeah. And then all I had to do was like, oh, you're smart. You fixed the machine. Now you can go to the, the Professor X's school. That's that's clearly what we're hinting at. And you can, for gifted kids, and then you'll become a doctor. Like, it could have just been explained. Oh, I was gifted as a kid, and I became a doctor. Or it could have not been explained. It would have been the same movie. Let's talk about the Milo Lucian thing. So we are introduced to this kid. Oh, hi. This is... Should mention also... Um, that Jared Harris plays Emil Nicholas. I thought he was good. Um, Wait, his... Nicholas was his last name? I believe so. Oh. <laughs> Let's just call him Nicholas. <laughs> well, that's what Jared Leto called, or Morbius called him like 1,200 times in the movie. Well, 
Morbius, Michael Morbius calls everybody by the wrong name at every moment. <laughs> so how can we really trust that? Also, I, this is another aside, but um, I, I haven't heard someone scream Michael this many times since the last Halloween. <laughs> Michael. Yeah, they should Michael. have just had Jamie Lee Curtis just come in and be like, Michael. <laughs> Just I mean, I wish I could say the same, but that is my name, so not the case for me. <laughs> oh, right. Nicholas comes in, he's like, oh, hi, this is Lucian, and Morbius is like, no, you're Milo, because I can't get attached to people, because they always die, so you have to be Milo, and... I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I think that's what it is, like... Oh, I know that you're probably going to move on soon, so I can't acknowledge you by your real name, so you're going to be Milo. So they become like brother, surrogate brothers, and yet he still calls him Milo, the name he gave him. So he here's the thing. When they flash forward to them being adults and he called him Milo, I'm like, is this still going on? Well, and that's then, why I was like, when the scene was like, the doctor was like, you saved Milo. I'm like, wait, why is he yeah. calling him Milo? And then later, when Milo is like, Michael was always your favorite. Yeah, Michael was always your favorite. You've been calling Lucian by the wrong name for 30 years. <laughs> of course Michael is his favorite. He gets Michael's name right. <laughs> he knows who he is. He's just like, yeah, Milo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. Didn't he say, like, you gave me my name? He did say that. Yeah, like. <laughs> you had one. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like not even a name that like means anything. He yeah. just calls him it. For, forgive my shrillness. But why? And yeah, he, al he also gave him that because he thought he was going to die in three minutes. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Also, I just want to say the, the Brotherhood, which I didn't get they were surrogate brothers at all until I read it in the synopsis, <laughs> that they're supposed to be brothers. But uh, they say it enough, but I, I just thought they were friends. And it, but like there's there's no chemistry at all between them, in my opinion. And like they, the the scene setting them up as friendships didn't make me think, oh, they're gonna be lifelong friends slash brothers. Yeah, I mean, regardless of my criticisms, I thought it was an all right setup. The Nobel Prize scene. This really, I I don't understand this. So you go to the ceremony. <laughs> To get up and refuse the prize? Yeah, why'd he stand up and go to the podium if he's like, I'm not taking it? I'm pretty sure Bob Dylan just was like, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to accept. But he dressed up. He accepted. He got up on stage. What do you think he said when he got up there? So I think, I think what happened is... He's he, what? What was it? it? Was like the Swedish king or something that was giving it? What yeah, he's saying she was like, "Oh, you insulted the Swedish royalty." And yes, yeah, so I'm guessing what happened is he got up and the sweet whoever the Swedish royalty was like, "Uh oh," and he just slapped him in the face. <laughs> 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 oh wow! It was Michael Morbius just slapped the shit out of me. <laughs> I just, I don't understand it at all. Why are you there? Why did you put on the suit, Michael? Was the whole point of this scene to just be like, he doesn't care about awards or the money. He's yeah. a good doctor. You care so much about, about curing the disease that you spent time to fly to Sweden, <laughs> sit also, up on stage, and then say no. Couldn't, couldn't you take that money and devote it towards your research to this disease you're trying to cure? No, because like he a million dollars. No, because he had unlimited funds from Milo. Money was no object. What was Milo? Why was he so rich? Did I was hoping say? you guys would know. So wait, did Milo? Did Milo like change his name to Milo? Like, did he sign his checks as Milo, or was he still using Lucian by that point? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. They, they they like say like oh he's a lawyer so I'm like oh he's a lawyer and he's like you didn't finish law school and I'm like what does he do why does he have money <laughs> no they they reference that with like he I guess he had some gambling debts or, or not gambling debts but he like was involved with like betting and gambling <laughs> so he just won a lot of money on like the horse races well he said that he had like Russian people after him I think. Oh, yeah, they did slightly mention that. Is this a remake of Training Day? Come on. 
What? I didn't understand that at all either. All right, but then we get Morbius's transformation, where they're they're on the ship. He is experimenting, um, and then he turns into a vampire pretty quickly. Pretty quick transformation. I thought this scene was all right, exciting enough. I, what was your reaction when he just starts going crazy on everybody? Yeah, it felt kind of felt kind of rushed. Yeah, it, I thought it was okay. Um, I didn't need like the slow mo. This movie uh, used so much slow mo. Every yeah. every fight scene, it stopped every three seconds to do a slow mo shot. Yeah, and I perhaps that seemed almost to like be trying to make up for the fact that that one you know there wasn't a ton of like actual vampire violence in it and two for the fact that i don't know if this was because i was tired or if i it was just me or whatever when there was a lot of like moving around with the action it almost felt like like blurry and i couldn't actually see what was going on yeah uh, all the slow-mo shots that's just another reason why this movie absolutely belonged like 15 years ago back when mm. you could rip off the matrix and it was still somewhat topical yeah speaking of like you saying it's blurry it's because they did that weird effect where like there was like this like tail like <laughs> behind yeah. them and i don't know why they they edited that and thought that looks good because it made everything look so incomprehensible when it was like full speed action. I hope Sonic 2 uses that effect. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would do it to a better effect, honestly. So I saw this separately from you guys. And the only like big laugh that came from my audience was when Detective Al brought holy water to their interview with Morbius. I don't even think that got a reaction. I don't think the audience reacted once to this no, movie. No, <laughs> we were in a we were in a pretty pretty well filled house for eleven ten yeah. in the morning too. Oh really? Yeah. And yeah, like no one no one reacted to anything. No. <laughs> so I saw this opening night, and by opening night I mean like the Thursday previews. Um, so it's not going to be as popular as Friday. Really, weren't that many people in this movie. Um, but apparently this open well made, I think, $39 million domestically. I'm sure that number will change very soon. But it did decently. But yeah, my, my audience loved that moment. Uh, I love the Hulk, the Hulk call back when he goes, you don't uh, want to see me when I'm hungry. No. That, that got an audible like groan out of me. I was like, ugh. <laughs> that was awful. It wasn't great. That was one of two two scenes in that movie that came, that got an audible groan. The other was uh, we're in spoilers so yeah. when like Morbius and Bancroft are like kissing on the roof and it just cuts to the the, the far shot of, of Matt Smith <laughs> just right. on the bridge staring at him. That's the goofiest looking thing. <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was terrible. Look like the Robert Pattinson meme of <laughs> We have to Photoshop that. We have to make that a thing. Yeah, it could be uh it could be Ana de Amras kissing with Jacob Elordi and then Ben Affleck is looking at them. No, that would just be Tyler standing there. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. Um, I want to give this one props for one scene, uh, the scene with the nurse, where she is walking down the hall and like the lights are coming on and off and there's the noise and there's. I thought that was actually pretty well done. I was I was impressed by that. It the jump scare actually did get me a little bit. Yeah. That. So that was where I was saying, like, it, it finally had, like, something interesting going where, like, if Morbius did it, like, how can he redeem himself for this? And then they're just like, just kidding, it was someone else. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, then, okay. So, like, the, he wasn't an anti-hero in any way. In fact, he kills eight people on a boat, which the cops are conveniently like, we don't care about them, they suck. Like, they're not real people. The, we care about this nurse. <laughs> like, they specifically say that. Yeah, and yeah. then in another scene where I think so at this point he Morbius killed everyone on the boat, 
Um, he then Matt Smith's character Milo killed the nurse and a couple police officers, and he says to Bancroft, Morbius, he says, "I didn't kill the nurse." I didn't kill the cops or any of the others. No, you've killed the other people that were... Like, the other people are the people on the boat that you did kill. No one else has died at this point. So you did kill the other people. Yeah, I, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, this, this scene felt a little autobiographical to me, which I know sounds like the craziest thing ever, but let me explain. So I spent a significant amount of time at the YMCA as a child... And I remember one night I was there for some reason um, with, yeah, I was there for some reason. And I remember me and a couple other kids like went wandering off into the dark halls of the YMCA. And one of them like said that there was like a vampire who lived in a certain room or closet or something. And I, we like opened the door and called for the vampire. And then obviously nothing ever happened. Um, but it's so funny that what memories random <laughs> random vampire movies can spark. Oh, God. I can only imagine if, if Matt Smith had come out of the shadows that night, what we would have done. And he was dancing while putting a tie on. <laughs> and consider this. There was probably a, a minute at that time when I actually believed that there was going to be a vampire in that closet. and you, you go and call out to him. I, it's, listen, it's just what you do. You can't, you can't, somebody can't tell you there's a vampire somewhere. You don't go check it out. I could. Uh, I'd go the opposite direction. Easy. Well, yeah. fair enough. Hey, there's but... a vampire over there. Oh, okay, well, I'll avoid that area. Thank you very much. Listen, when you're a kid at the Y at night, there's not... Not always a ton going on. What was this counterfeit money scene? Uh, what were they... So, like, the I, woman behind the cash <laughs> register, what were they giving her money for? To take the counterfeit? To accept it? But for... Were they, they were trying paying? to get change. They were paying, I believe. Oh. I think they were just paying. Oh, I thought they were trying to get her to give them change for the counterfeit bills. With like, the most obvious money. counterfeit bill ever... <laughs> I also, like, I also for a second didn't think they were gonna cut back to this, and I was about to be like, "What was the point of that?" And then, yeah, I, that, that, well, I mean, you could still ask that because it was literally just to have him find in the counterfeiting place. Which, yeah. what the pure luck? Like, how do you know they were the ones making it themselves? Also, who is this woman? Because she debunked that bill with a one-second swipe of one of those magic <laughs> markers, but then she accepts money. And now she's going to go somewhere else? That's and, what I thought. Like, what if the yeah. other place checks them? And they're like, these are fake. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then they're going to go, she's going to, oh, someone gave them to me. Who did? Oh, these guys who are clearly counterfeiters. <laughs> I didn't understand that at all. I do like the, the sort of setup of the two vampires of Morbius and Milo. Of, you know, one is trying to embrace... A longer life but leading a life of violence and destruction and the other is um accepting that they'll live a shorter life you know two sides of the same coin thought that was interesting but like everything else it was just kind of over really quickly and we get the worst dance music scene <laughs> I, this like annoyed me so i don't know i had like a visceral reaction uh to the song that was playing and to him dancing around as as he's putting on a tie milo i mean yeah no went way way too long it was awful <laughs> another uh, another thing i I, th I seriously think he was just recycling his character from last night in soho for a lot of the acting in this movie oh yeah that's a good point like I, this, this scene was just the worst version of like patrick bateman getting ready in the morning just terrible yeah like they literally thought, what's what makes someone like quirky? Oh, what if they just dance at random? <laughs> like, oh, got or some like emo Peter Parker vibes going there. If it had gone longer, it might have been as bad as that. Because I this mean, scene, go ahead. This wasn't the worst dressing scene in this movie because there's a scene earlier when he first becomes Morbius where he strips out of his shirt, 
to go and put another shirt on <laughs> after just murdering like 10 Yeah, people. but it was to show that he's now the most jacked man on the planet. I know, like that was clearly what it was supposed to do, but it was the stupidest shot. Also, I would have believed that he had super vampire strength without him having to work out for nine months. I, I, I it wasn't necessary. Maybe it was some eye candy for someone. If so, congratulations, but not... That I would have believed it. He had he had to drop that Paolo Gucci weight somehow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he just took <laughs> off the prosthetics and he did it. It's me, Michael Morbius. <laughs> so throughout this whole thing, Morbius is trying to survive off of synthetic blood, much like True Blood, as the the concept of True Blood. Um, but he's getting the thirst. For real blood of the living. And apparently he also likes spicy Cheetos. So I... <laughs> yeah, what was that? Is that just an advertisement thrown in there? <laughs> Leave all the high-tech stuff in those spicy Cheetos over there. I, no, I don't know why the, they couldn't sustain him. The synthetic blood was such a, like, like they're like, oh, we can solve him being, like, a murderer by having this, but, like, we just have to figure out a reason why he can't keep having it. And then, like, real blood doesn't even, like, it doesn't even come into his mind, like, he's like, oh, I gotta get real blood. He, he gets it later in the stupidest scene. It, like, never had a bearing on the actual plot, his thirst for real blood. No, also him drinking from those vials that like just yeah, that looked was, ridiculous. That was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just looked really weird. But like you could tell, they clearly didn't want to make him villainous. <laughs> like as a result, they made him just the stupidest character. Like the motivations were not not interesting in any way. Yeah, com- completely agree. And then we get this final showdown. I'm going to be honest, I didn't remember much of this. I only have my notes and... uh, Can I just... I just want to bring up a scene before we get to the final showdown. Please do. So he he hears, which his echolocation is very tuned to whenever he just wants to use it. He can hear a specific event happening. It doesn't make any sense how it works. But anyway, he hears milo with bancroft and he's like oh no now i can fly or something i don't know his powers just change every five minutes so now he's flying through new york and he gets there and she's dead and she's like you have to use my blood make it mean something and then he bites her she's dead at this point dead and then then matt smith's like oh you use the blood the red blood what's going on i was so lost i'm like it's a dead body like you're not it's not an emotional turning point here with like he embraced vampirism i have another i have another fun thing to say about that when we get later can i point out something from earlier where it's one of the first cop chase scenes where again they're just sending in droves of these poor men and women to just like get slaughtered there's one (laughs) morbius is running down the hall and there's a cop on his tail and he's really getting up to him and then you know there's the incredibly high ceiling which goes out of the building and morbius shoots up because he can fly because he's a vampire this guy doesn't skip a beat there's no (laughs) second where he's like oh my god like how did a human being just do that he's just like points the gun (laughs) upward and starts unloading a gun into the stairs where anyone could be anyone could be on those stairs and he's just like bang bang I see this every day. <laughs> yeah, like this. This is so normal. This is what criminals do. <laughs> no hesitation. No shock. In a world where oh. presumably the only other supernatural thing that's happened so far is everything that happened in Venom. Yeah. Which that's they they cleverly mention with Which, we haven't seen anything like this since San Francisco. <laughs> Which these are completely different events. Like why would you even bring that in? Like. <laughs> that's your two things in the world not just like this could be something unrelated I just and, and uh, the whole I am Venom bit yeah I there is were... Venom known to the public does anyone know who Venom I is I, I don't think, think they was. like said that like his name is out there Venom was actually the first choice for the Nobel Prize but he got <laughs> up there and went no thank you and then he left the stage <laughs> So whatever we'll have to the give next... it to Michael Morbius. Man. 
Yeah, whatever the next Marvel legend is, that's <laughs> that's gonna be the third, the third choice. Madam Web. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, you're right about the the killing of Bancroft again. Um, Adria Arjona did a a good job, but they just totally sideline her character. Did not make her nearly as interesting. Did these notes really say took inspiration been. from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? That is what my research showed that she took inspiration <laughs> from AOC. Really? <laughs> I wish the script had taken inspiration from AOC. Uh, honestly, I feel like AOC could have written a better script than this. Yeah, I'm sure she could have. I'm not trying to like. No, I'm not. Really I'm not bash. saying. I'm not bashing her by saying that. I'm saying legitimately, like. No. Yeah, and. The post credit scene writing, we'll, we'll get to, but this is... Uh, the army of bats. Morbius gets some assistance. They kill Milo slash Lucian. I didn't really care. They, oh my no. god, they killed Milo. That's not Milo, that's Lucian. <laughs> I had to I had Yeah, to that's it. another last night in Soho, yeah. But, you know... This is like I'm I'm sick of superhero showdowns where like like you want me to believe these guys are like punching each other and it's hurting yet they're pushing each other through the ground like into the sewers they went through an entire city street <laughs> into the ground and I'm supposed to believe them punching each other is having an effect on like again like yeah but there was I, no I just, garlic so I just feel like so many superhero fights have like no weight to them because they're just punching each other around through <laughs> obstacles and stuff. And this was one of them. They're flying through the air, knocking each other through streets, yeah, <laughs> like underground. Like, I just the, they, there's no stakes behind them, and they feel so dumb. Not at all. It's just just silly. Not good. And then and then the army of bats was just a ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, now the bats are gonna hold you down so I can inject you with the serum. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like the bat. I I love bats like just as the creatures themselves. So I was happy to see them in the movie, but they could have been used better. I want to hear the bat handler uh, say how good Jared Leto was with the bats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me what. Tell me something though. What um, what if these movies the this one and the Batman. What if what if their lead roles had been reversed? What if we had gotten a Jared Leto Batman or, and a Robert Pattinson Morbius? If you hear silence, it's because I'm contemplating. Um, like which which is you know which bat centric uh, actor? I don't know because like Jared Leto was we've said it serviceable in this. It was it was really just the stuff around him that was silly. Yeah, I have to assume for Robert Pattinson it would have been similar. Imagine trying to fit Jared Leto's hair into the the Batman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. I don't know. And then we have uh, Martine, who is revive because she's a vampire now. So so this is the second. Sony Spider-Man cinematic universe movie that we've gotten like an ambiguous like oh they're not really dead and now they have glowing eyes person yeah and I'm I'm not sure what the the motivation behind that is she's gonna team up with the detective from Let There Be Carnage to be the enemy of the Sinister Six. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the connection to the Sony superhero universe, to the MCU. We get the lazy, laziest written post-credit scene, mid-credit scenes, where Vulture just shows up and he's like, hey, we got to take care of the Spider-Man guy. And that's it. <laughs> He shows up in a prison too, and we get like a news sequence of like, oh, this guy just appeared in an empty cell, so you know it's crazy. We gotta let him out. That and they should have been like, and they gave him the the Nobel Peace Prize that Morbius didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> you you're over you're overlooking the the most garbage line they could have given him too. Oh, I hope the food's better in this joint. <laughs> yeah, we do get the purple crack in uh. the sky. Which uh, previously was a a moniker of quality, but not here. <laughs> yeah, I just well, my question is, 
how are they going to get Morbius to care about Spider-Man? I mean, that's my. That's why I was confused because they didn't make him villainous at all. No, they didn't, they didn't like, show it either. He was way. just automatically on board. And yeah, like, why did he just agree to meet with this random guy who's like, "Hey, meet with me. I want to kill Spider-Man." He's like, "Oh yeah, okay. I don't know what a Spider-Man is, but sure, let's let's go." So perhaps uh, Disney is gonna Slipknot Morbius, where it's gonna be they're gonna you know Sinister Six, and then they're gonna be like, "Oh hey, this is Morbius," and then he's gonna get killed in two seconds. I feel like Disney's not gonna have any involvement with them. I think this is just Sony trying to build their own universe. They're like, hey Marvel, can we have Vulture? And like, yeah, sure, whatever, we don't care. <laughs> he he served his purpose in our universe, so Yeah. You think Andrew Garfield's coming back to be the Sony Spider Man again? Uh, for his sake, I hope not. Yeah. Well, this this movie was could have been more successful. It wasn't the worst. Um, I don't, I don't really want to see another one. Do you guys? Not in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I I can't say I do. Yeah. I mean, again, this one, this one wasn't like skin scratchingly bad as uh, as Venom. Let there be carnage, but no, it was hardly an improvement. Like, I- think about how stupid the ending was. So he gets out, the the FBI agents who can't do anything don't do anything about him escaping, and they still think he's a murderer, the murderer, and then he just gets a sports car and drives to meet Vulture. Like, what, 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 it, where is his character going? I don't understand. Also, the lighting was surprisingly um, inconsistent for 2.30 in the morning. Like, there were some scenes it looked like it was, like, dusk, like the sun was going down, and then in other shots it was just dark. And then it was like dusk again. It was very, it, 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 it was noticeable to me. Like it was very hmm. weird, inconsistent. That's a good point. Like no, they just no. slapped a bunch of driving scenes together. They're like, ah, oh, it's close enough to dark. Yeah. That's, that's it fine. was around daylight savings time. It's okay. Was that supposed to be like he was driving a while? I don't really know. I, I, I Where is he driving from? What What is he doing now that he has a sports car that he's speeding So he can fly. <laughs> How did Vulture like meet this guy? He's just like, oh, this is crazy. I'm reading in the newspaper about this Morbius guy. Let me let me see if he wants to kill Spider Man. I'll, I'll drop him a little note. Also, he never said Doctor Mike, which I was a little disappointed about. Mm. That's true. Hey, that Mike. whole scene wasn't in there. No, like where he was like being let out and he no. talked to him on the way. And the by. thing is, even if it had, it still would have been ridiculous because that that you can't you're using a post credit scene in the trailer to try and drum up extra. It's just, it's ridiculous. To be honest, I thought the scene where he, like, broke the guy's arm and, uh, well, let's just talk about that scene. God, like, this is just, the banter in this movie is awful, and I, it, it comes to a full head here, the peak of it, when he's like, and now you're stinky little pinky, and he snaps his pinky. <laughs> awful, awful scene. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was going to be a post credit scene with, like, I'm Venom. No, just kidding, Dr. Michael Morbius. No, they just cut out the, the I'm Dr. Michael Morbius thing and... <laughs> Part of the- Definitely looked like it was he was interrupting a bank robbery in the trailer too. That did yeah, not. Yeah, that's why yeah. I thought he was going to be like a hero at the yeah. end, and that would be like the post credit scene. No, it was just him breaking a dude's arm because <laughs> he needed to steal his and take over his uh, <laughs> his counterfeit money lab. It was really the Cheetos that he wanted. It's <laughs> like oh, some Cheetos. That's it's basically human blood for vampires. You know what should have happened in that scene where. Uh, Morbius flies up and the cop shoots at him is he should have flown up the cop sees it he's like whoa they fly now and then you pan over to Oscar Isaac going they fly now <laughs> it just goes down the line it first goes to Tyrese Gibson yeah. flying <laughs> and then it, oh, it gets to Oscar Isaac again. any final thoughts on Morbius just don't waste your time or your money to go see this. Don't let this movie succeed. Let Sony know they need to stop this. <laughs> they just need to stop, please. Hopefully this will be my last thought about this movie for a while, but, um, you know, it, it really, I didn't hate it. That's the best thing I'll say. I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Well, if you, the listener, have any thoughts about Morbius, about the Sony cinematic universe, anything else, Please, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. Of 
course, rate and review on your favorite podcast app, please. That would really help and mean a lot. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. And our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at Maddie X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That is on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus. You can find me at le- on Letterboxd at Tyler96. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at M Gallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you later, Milo. <laughs> That's not Milo, it's Lucian. <laughs> Keep staying down to bone, guys. <laughs> Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.